Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to Show Me the Meaning, Wisecracks Movie Podcast. Show me meaning! <laughs> and yes, that is right. We're going to be talking about uh, Borat this week. I mean, we're going to be concentrating on the second film, but as we were just saying beforehand, we're going to also talk about the first film and the character. If you guys have any experience with Borat from the Ali G show way back in the day, feel free to bring in anecdotes for that because it's more just about the character. So, But I want to get this right here. So we're going to be talking about Borat, Cultural Learnings of America for Make Benefit Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan, but really focusing on Borat, subsequent movie film, delivery of prodigious bribe to American regime for Make Benefit Once Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan by that mad creator, Sasha Baron Cohen, starring, of course, him as Borat, and in the role of his daughter, Maria Bakalova, and directed by Jason Wolliner, who I'm not really familiar with, but I know, I guess he does a lot of sketch comedy stuff, he's done a lot of television, and I believe this is kind of like his first big feature, correct me if I'm wrong, Raymond and Ryan, but that's what I know about him. Does that sound right? I think you're, I think I'm you're right. I'm getting nods of affirmation. So far, yeah. Okay, cool. So that's what we're going to be talking about this week. I mean, first impressions. Let's go around and talk about what it was like the first time we saw the original Borat. And then, of course, let's say, then what was it like watching this film? Let's start with Raymond. Um, well, uh, I, I went to this in theaters when it came out, the original. Um Back, uh, I think I was, yeah, this was 2006, so I must have been a, like a junior in high school at the time. And uh, like everybody, you know, watched it a hundred times after that, quoted it constantly. I was a huge fan of the Ali G <laughs> show. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I got a kick out of this movie. Um, and I really, uh, I, I enjoyed the second one quite a bit. I was hmm. um, kind of curious going into it because... Uh, I was wondering if the shtick would hold up or curious mm. about how he would make it work. And they even kind of incorporate that stuff, like the fact that he can't get away with doing Borat anymore in a lot right. of places. That was um, a good twist. So it was, yeah, yeah. It was kind of... Uh, it's kind of necessary, kind of I think, too. Yeah. To address yeah. that. And and, yeah. and one of the things I'm, I'm sure we'll dig into a little bit later, but uh, one of the things I just wanted to bring up off the bat was I... um. When I first heard that, oh, they made a new Borat movie, and uh, it's here it comes, um, and that he had cast someone as his daughter, I was kind of worried that it was just going to become like, well, I can't get away with doing Borat anymore, so I just kind of send her out for all the the you know man on the street stuff, and then we'll just have scripted mm. scenes together. But I actually thought that uh, adding her in was a, a really great foil for his character, um, mm -hmm. and uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more I'm sure but uh, I, I was pleasantly surprised with uh, the second one I you know it's it's um it's not exactly Shakespeare but uh, it was it was really funny <laughs> and uh, I, I had a good time watching it what did you guys think what about you Ryan so yeah the first time I saw the first one I laughed my fucking ass off like to me that's a perfect film. <laughs> 
Uh, and it, it just hit the zeitgeist at the perfect time. I actually had also been familiar with the LEG show. M- m- my, my friend Brian had showed, had sat me down. We had watched the first season of LEG, and it blew my mind. And it wasn't until like the third or fourth episode, like literally an hour or two into into this, that I realized that he was all these people. Like he was, it was so good and seamless. I had no idea that he was Borat, Ali G, and Bruno. Maybe I'm an idiot, um, which is possible. But I, I, and then that even blew my, me away even more. I just couldn't even yeah. believe that. Like, wow, this guy is just like the perfect actor, and just what he was doing. I love that kind of comedy. You know, getting real reactions, genuine reactions out of real people, uh, is one of the best. Forms of comedy, in my opinion. A guy named Phil Hendry is like my all-time favorite uh, uh, entertainer, basically. He's a radio host. Everyone mm. should go look him up. But that, that's, that's basically what he does day in and day out. He gets people to call into his show, get genuine reactions. And he's, to me, this is, he, he, he uh, uh, Borat's kind of like in, in, in that vein, obviously. Mm. And so the second one, I was kind of nervous. Is, is it going to be the same magic? And the answer, I think, is really no. But I, I did mm. love the movie. I love the movie. I would give it an 8 out of 10, whereas the first one, I'd give a 10 out of 10. Um, okay. This was great. Like, there was great scenes, great bits. I do think it's kind of lost a little something. Um, but he did a good job of updating it. And and I kind of like you, um, Raymond, I, I, I liked uh, uh, what, what the, the daughter had to bring to the table. Like, like usually, that's kind of the weird... It's like the lame cliche thing to, in the sequel, just be like, uh, the thing we're going to change is just add a girl. You know, like right. the Sandlot yeah. or something, or Terminator did that, or all the you right, know. Right. Uh, uh, and this totally works. She's a great actress, and she and her part works. And the reaction she gets out of the the babysitter, especially, oh my god, that scene <laughs> was so touching mm. to me. Um, yeah, I, I, so yeah, really this movie rocks. Yeah, it's so yeah. Much like you, when the first film came out, it was just a cultural phenomenon, right? Like yeah. it was kind of like the Chappelle Show, where whenever you'd go to a fucking party, someone was yelling out lines, right? Like just like when the Chappelle Show was going on, you'd hear people doing fucking Rick James, and um, with with Borat, you'd hear them doing Very Nice or My Wife or, My wife. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, so it was like it was like a thing that got embedded into a cultural language and. And I lived in a few different countries, right? So it wasn't even something that was just American. It was something that was British, that was Irish, that was even in Spain, right, when I was oh, there. Wow. So it was it was kind of this international cultural phenomenon. So in that sense, you couldn't get away from it. And and I, I loved it. Like Ryan said, I laughed my ass off. I thought it was hilarious. Um, I thought the satire was timely. Um, you know, this is in the height of Bush's America at that point, right? And... Um, and so he's he's poking fun at a lot of um, certain cultural, I guess, norms at the time and um, certain ideological underpinnings. And he was trying to bring those to light. You know, he's an intelligent dude, so it's not just mm-hmm. shticks for the sake of shticks. So I also thought that there was some meat to chew on. So I came into this, to be completely honest, with a lot of trepidation. Not just because of would the shtick last, because I like Ryan, I love, that's my favorite kind of comedy too. Like even something silly as like Jiminy Glick where it's Martin Short, like just doing <laughs> yeah. something silly in an interview. Like I love interviews that go wrong, you know? I, I just yeah. like real reactions. Try and like, comic dog. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like that's some of my favorite comedy, right? But it, so it's not that that I didn't think would work. It's 
I've become, you could, maybe I've just become cucked or something like that, man. But I've become like oh really soft over the last few years where like, remember when we did Idiocracy, Ryan? And I was like, I fucking, I can't stand this movie. And the reason I couldn't stand it is because I just thought it was so mean spirited, written by a bunch of liberal coastal elites that like, oh, here are the dumb Americans, the deplorables, uh-huh. the mm-hmm. basket of deplorables. And so I was really worried that, because that's what his, that's Sasha Baron Cohen's wheelhouse. Sp- yeah, yeah. yeah. That, and, and I was worried, I was worried that it was going to really lean into that at a particular t- point in time and that it was going to be lauded by all of these liberals who love to shit on people in the red states, the flyover states, whatever. And I was really worried that it was going to be really mean-spirited. And I think part of it was, and so part of that still kind of grates at me, but I also really did enjoy the daughter character. And for me, that kind of saved it a little bit because it kind of had like a bad grandpa vibe to me, which was a movie that I really enjoyed. (laughs) Because remember how sweet the relationship was between Johnny Knoxville and the boy? It was so sweet. It was so sweet. I thought actually that film did it better, but like that's why this this film was saved for me. So I would say a 7 out of 10 if I were going to do it. But yeah. Raymond, were you going to say something real quick? Before I do a recap, go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about it later, but uh, I I was going to kind of dovetail off of what you were saying. I think that Having her in the in the movie playing a character working from a script for certain scenes actually kind of smooths over some of the parts that uh, are a little bit rougher in the first one. You know, uh, like mm. you said, there's there's a lot of for every one scene that's really biting and incisive and reveals something about the American psyche. There's like two or three scenes in the original where he's just being an asshole, and it's which is great. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it, it's it's funny, and you know, but but you can't deny like there are some there are some pretty cheap laughs, uh, especially in the first one. Sure. And I think that having, for example, I think like Anchorman is another comedy from this specific period that was really in the zeitgeist. Everyone was quoting, and that's another movie with a really performatively misogynistic main character. But because the joke is always on him and everyone else is playing a character, working from a script, it's kind of defanged a little bit. Whereas, like, yeah. when Sasha Baron Cohen just tells, like, that group of feminists that, uh, or, or he says, like, you know, give me a smile. And he's just saying that stuff that's like, it's... Yeah, give me a smile, cutie, know, or whatever we, he's saying. Yeah, yeah. We, we know that he's playing a character, but they don't. And so it's just one of those things that, like, feels a little icky because he's just... I mean, if you tear away everything else, like he's just being an asshole to a bunch of women who really haven't, you know, they haven't. But he's invited. playing a character, Raymond. No, 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 no. I know, I know, he's playing a narrative. character. No, no, no. But what I'm, what I'm saying is, like, to them, he's just a jerk and he's ruined their day. Right. Whereas with with his daughter in the second one, you can have those aspects of the character but not have them remember in the first one where he says to the women, like in my country, they'd go crazy about you. And then he points to another one and goes, you not so much. <laughs> right. And it's just like such a mean jab. And she does nothing. She like, she's a pretty gracious yeah. person. Like she doesn't <laughs> yeah. do yeah. anything to invite that kind of ire. And like, it's just one of those things that some of those things are a little bit squeaky. And Ryan, I still enjoyed the movie. I still laughed. I'm not. I'm not saying like, oh, it's it hasn't aged well, or it's not politically correct. No, you know, it's it's still really funny, but there are moments like that where I'm like, uh, that's a. Uh, sometimes he's just punching down in a way that isn't productive to the movie's project overall. 
I yeah. completely see what you mean, and and yeah, I don't like people just being an asshole, just being an asshole and watching it, you know, uh, watching bum fights or whatever. Uh, right. I, that's not, you know. Yeah, um, right. But I, I I I hope that after they're done filming, he says something to him. That would be awesome, right? That's well, by all accounts, Let's he, all like, hug it stays, out, he stays in character through everything. Like, oh, Jesus. Okay, let's, let's, get, into, let's get into the recap like here. That. Let's get yeah, into the yeah, recap real quick, and then we'll get on this uh, on the other side. I'm only going to recap, by the way, Borat 2. I'm not going to say the full title of that film ever again. Um, <laughs> okay. okay. Anyway, so after the original film, Borat, humiliates the country of Kazakhstan, journalist Borat Sogdiev is thrown in prison for life. However, 14 years later, he's released and given a special mission to travel to the United States to deliver Minister of Culture Johnny the Monkey to President Donald Trump. But because Borat has previously shat in front of Trump Tower, he's not allowed to get close to Trump. So he decides to give Johnny the Monkey to pussy magnet Mike Pence, who's such a ladies' man that he can't even be in the same room with other women without getting his freak on. So Borat gets vaccinated, hops on a cargo ship, and traverses around the globe for 22 days before finally arriving in Galveston, Texas. Once there, he realizes that he has become famous in America and must come up with a disguise so that he can navigate the streets of the good old US and A. When he goes to pick up Johnny the Monkey in the shipping crate that he was sent in, Borat finds out that his daughter Tutar has snuck inside and journeyed to the US and A so she can fulfill her dream of becoming like Princess Melania Trump. However, Johnny the Monkey has been eaten, either by Tutar or perhaps he ate himself. So Borat sends a fax back to Kazakhstan telling of the events, only to be told that if he fails the mission, he'll be executed. So Borat changes plans and decides to offer his 15-year-old daughter to Pence instead. He gets her a makeover, takes her to a debutante ball, and even prepares her to receive plastic surgery so that she can become a prime gift. After crashing the conservative CPAC event and not getting the welcome from Pence that he had hoped, however, he once again has to come up with another plan. However, around this same time, Tutar starts to realize that maybe she doesn't want to be a gift given to a man. She learns that women can drive in the US and A, and that if she touches her vagine, it won't actually eat her and suck her inside. <laughs> Shout out to the film Teeth and Vagina Dentatus, by the way. And she sees that even she can become a journalist. So she leaves Borat to go out on her own. Now, not being able to give the gift to Pence, Borat's plan is now shifted to target Rudy Giuliani. So Borat has to track Tutar down with the help of a couple good old boy Republicans. They find Tutar and convince her to finish the job and gift herself to Giuliani. She poses as a flirty reporter and places Giuliani in a compromising situation when Borat, at the end, breaks into the room to make sure that nothing happens. After he takes her away and they mend their fences, they decide to go back to Kazakhstan together, disgraced, fearful, prepared for the worst. However, in a stunning twist, they learn that actually Borat was successful in the mission that the Kazakh leaders had actually intended. Before he left, remember that vaccine that I was talking about? Well, he was injected with the novel coronavirus, and his long meandering journey on the cargo ship was really intended to spread the virus around the world as revenge for everyone making fun of Kazakhstan after the four first Borat film. The film ends with some changes having taken place in Kazakhstan, namely feminism. Tutar becomes the number three reporter in the land, working side by side her dad, where they report on important cultural events like the running of the Americans. And that about sums up Borat too. But before we continue, I want to give a shout out to this week's sponsor, Storyblocks. 
If you're a weekly listener, then you already know that Storyblocks is an awesome subscription service that gives you access to high-quality, royalty-free video, audio, and images. Once you download an asset, it's yours to keep for personal or commercial use. You can pick a subscription plan based on your needs, and the unlimited option provides you with access to everything, including templates for Adobe programs. Last time we mentioned their new tool called Maker, which helps you edit within Storyblocks. This time, we want to take some time to talk about Restock, their new initiative to commit to providing more BIOPC and LGBTQI footage and assets. Look, they understand that everything in their library should reflect the way the world is today. And Restock allows more diverse creators to portray the people and communities that are underrepresented in stock media. So you can check out Restock and everything else that Storyblocks has to offer today by going to storyblocks.com wisecrack or by clicking the link in the show notes. Now back to the show. All right, so uh, I kind of interrupted what was already a, a pretty cool chat going on. Do you remember what your line of thought was before we went into the recap? Yeah, Ryan, I think uh, I, I think you may have been uh, about to rebuke me. <laughs> no, I I I I actually was going to go into a, a separate thing about the aesthetics of this of this of this one compared to the first one where I don't, uh, I, I think it was a mistake to have it look so uh, cinema. Uh, I don't know. Like, like the cameras are super good and digital the whole time. Right. And they kind of mm. flow in and out. It's of a little the, too clean. Sure. It's yeah. It's too clean for what Borat is. I feel like it, it, yeah. it, it would be strengthened by having kind of the grainier HBO uh, video mm. look that, it used to have, especially because you know Borat's old-fashioned or whatever, and doesn't you know technology is foreign to him and whatever. So, I, because it kind of just threw me off to about what was fake and what was not in this movie sometimes, which is not what you want to have happen in like a hidden camera kind of film, right? Sure. Like, uh, and there, uh, there are also it seems like there are far more um, scripted scenes in this one too, obviously. Uh, to yeah, set up all which the, all the story and wh- stuff. Which I think I think Sacha Baron Cohen kind of it always freaks me out when I see him in a narrative movie. Like I I can't. It's hard for me to really wrap my mind around because I'm so used to him being a man on the street kind of real documentary kind of person, and uh, and that I hated the dictator so much. Right, uh, his a couple films ago for him, not and great, this yeah. a lot of the scripted scenes kind of felt and looked like that. It's kind of like they're not really set up like that. Well, they're just kind of two one shots uh, going back and forth to each other, and I don't know. Like, like I, I do like the stuff with the daughter, but there was too much of that stuff sometimes. And like I said, uh, it, it kind of went back and forth in weird ways. But also, there was times where I thought it worked really well. So. Don't necessarily listen to me. <laughs> yeah, no, like what you're saying is that it, it was just a little bit inconsistent. Whereas the first film, yeah, one of the reasons it was yeah, so exactly. successful is that it just leaned in hard to the documentary style, which is why it's such an mm-hmm. interesting mockumentary because it's got that yes. kind of cinema verite. There's no, it, nothing takes you out of it for a second. Like even the scripted scenes with him and his like sidekick, you're kind of like, okay, clearly that's scripted. And I mean, some of the mm-hmm. other ones are probably like manufactured too, but it, it so seamlessly weaves through all of those that 
that it maintains the illusion, if you will, of that it, that this is the, like a guy on the street doing his thing mm-hmm. in a very sort of natural sure. environment. Whereas this one does have a little bit of a like a herky jerky, like you know the scenes when they're at the trailer. Like there's a proper narrative that that yeah. that is that that is t- intended to have a character arc and that it's written in that way, and you can actually see like there's a three act structure, right? So there's these these like more formal theatrical elements that it's are a, that it's are a little of, more produced. Yeah. yeah, exactly, and that might create that that awkwardness. And the problem is, is from from a viewer's perspective, it takes you out of it for a second, right? And then yeah. you start to, and that's the whole point: is you can't be taken out of Borat's shtick to get it. You got to be in it the whole time, right? That's yeah, I, I think uh, kind of what Ryan was saying before about uh, the the aesthetic choices as well. Not not just with regards to the way that the the film is structured, but even all of the scenes in uh, the the sort of like Kazakh black site where he's being renditioned and shaved and right. everything like all of those are are lit like an episode of 24 and stuff and obviously <laughs> you know they're going they're going for right. something with that but it still does yeah it, it it creates a little bit of an aesthetic disconnect between that and the verite uh, aspects of the film so it, it it does kind of throw you for a loop let me ask you this why now why do you think he made this film now? Is this like supposed Direction, to be... Direction, baby! Is that it? Do you Guess think that was it? Yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Like Which, he was trying uh, to... In, he was trying to influence conversation? Or like... Uh, just have it... I mean, it's kind of loosely themed around it. He didn't really get much... I mean, the Giuliani scene, for all the hype, was kind of a nothing burger, I would say. Yeah, let's, we'll talk about that. We'll put that on the back burner. We got to talk about that on its own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. So, I mean, I, I probably not to influence, just to be around and have have the influence. I mean, have the election itself be a marketing tool for the movie. Um, I mean, I think the the at the beginning of the credits, it even just says like "Go vote." Um, the hmm. the very first title card in the credits is a bunch of Cyrillic letters or something, and then it just says "Go vote" over that. Um, so I'm, and, and then, I can oh, see sorry. them having, oh, no, it's okay. I, I can see them having sort of devised this as a way. I mean, it's clearly, I, I mean, I, I, the whole thing sort of got thrown off its axis by COVID, um, you know, but from the start, like, it, they're, they're very clearly taking aim at the, the Trump administration. You know, they, they had this whole story set out uh, to, to deliver her to someone in the, <laughs> someone in the Trump cabinet. Um, <laughs> uh, obviously, they, they had to rewrite or reconsider or restructure around uh, the coronavirus pandemic. But, you know, from the start, it's, yeah, pretty, pretty pointedly, I, I would say probably to, to encourage people to vote or at least to remind people of how monstrous this administration has been from the early days. Like, there's that scene where she's going through, like, Oh, can you make a, a gift of me to this guy? And he goes, "No, he's in jail. He's in jail. He's in jail. Uh, that right. guy's uh, awaiting trial." Blah blah blah. Like, just one of those things that, in some ways, it kind of serves as a bullet point of this is the, here's a reminder of why these people are bad and why it's important to get rid of them and uh, and still be able to wrap it up in this sort of entertaining way. When when did they do the reshoots? Do we know? Like, or, or was it all they filmed during? I mean. The, they were, I mean, they were shooting, uh, I, I remember when he did the, um, 
the scene where he's singing the song at the the anti-mask yeah. rally or the Trump rally. I remember when that hit Twitter that everyone was talking about, oh, we think Sasha Baron Cohen was at this thing because he kind of got booed off this stage and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> but apparently he was, you know, they they were working on this well before the pandemic hit. Um, and then they just kind of had to roll with the punches and redesign the film or have the film pivot, uh, you know, towards the the quarantine stuff and, and figure out a way to loop back in. And, uh, it, 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 I am curious what their, if they had, you know, the outline of this whole thing before the pandemic hit and what their plan was for the ending or where it was going to yeah. go. Um, super fucking clever, man. Differ. Like yeah. if you're, if you're an aspiring filmmaker and you want to know how to kind of quickly put something together, like I'm super impressed with how they did the filming, editing, production. Yeah. They rolled with the punches of some new historical event. Sorry, Ryan, go, go ahead. Oh no, I was, I, I was just going to throw in like, you would ask why now? I, I actually yeah. think now is a, obviously a perfect time because of Trump. I mean, like he, he, it seems like Trump would be Borat's fucking idol you know like he believes all these <laughs> they have a lot of similar beliefs and so uh, uh just the whole trumpism trump culture whatever like like it seems like now's the perfect time to inject borat into that um i guess i, I it does seem a little more on the nose than before back in the cause he was a little ahead of his time doing yep. you know really digging for the hypo- hypocrisy underneath people you know uh yeah. in the bush years and then now it's like war it's like you know there's a culture well, war going on that's that was my, that that was my concern. get you, in the middle of there do you think it was too on the nose like that was my thing i felt like nothing that was said like so i watched this film with two non-americans a frenchman and a belgian and okay. both of them like they had they had different opinions on it and it was an interesting conversation because it was kind of like i don't know none of the information or none of the jokes to me were were something that were completely unexpected. My laughter came from either sheer cringiness or just over the top stuff. Like when they're doing the fucking fertility dance, right? And the awkwardness of people <laughs> laughing, like how that far it goes. Like that makes the, you, you're like, oh my God, I'm so fucking uncomfortable right now. The and you know, Jewish you know where disguise go. was another yeah, one that, that was just. Oh, that one, that one just so made me, my body, I wanted to like curl up inside, right? And then that woman was just so gracious and sweet. So it's like, I don't know, but were the jokes, were they too on the nose? Like, maybe I spend too much time on the fucking forums, and so all of this stuff, all the conspiracy theory stuff, all the racism, like, I just I, am so, like, I hear it all the time, so it didn't land on me as shocking, maybe, you know? I don't I, think I, I it's, it's... Oh, go ahead. Uh, sorry, Raymond, yeah, no, you go ahead, I've already talked. Oh, I, oh no, it's all good. All I was going to say was, I, I wanted to sort of throw another question out there that, do you feel like the the first movie seems maybe just quaint by comparison because it, it it wasn't after four years of Trump. Like, well, yeah, when, yes. when you're watching that first movie, it was, it was all about, you know, kind of unveiling these hypocrisies and things like now that all that's out in the open, it does, yeah. it does seem a little bit quaint or dated or, or at least a relic of its time. Yeah. I, I wouldn't call it necessarily because of four years of Trump. I, uh, uh, what we're dealing with is like, you know, this is shock humor, right? This is, mm, and, and sure. especially in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, like the kind of awkward, cringy kind of, we're going to make people feel uncomfortable. And that's part of like, like the shove it in your face kind of humor that was relatively new uh, uh, and kind of fashionable at the time. And now we've had a basically 20 years of that. 
Where I do think that it just as a psychological thing, everyone gets like, okay, I'm about to watch Borat too. It's gonna, he's gonna be saying a lot of fucked up shit and making people squirm. And do I really want to do that? I don't know. I've seen all these other movies back in 2000, whatever the fuck uh, when it came out. That was you were like, oh my god, this is so crazy. Like 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 yeah. he's really fucking with these people. I do think that 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 this kind of humor is not necessarily as shocking anymore in 2020. Mm. And he can only fuck with them if we understand where they come from and how he's, like, disrupting their their space, right? So, like Raymond was talking about with the with the women in the first uh, in the first scene where he's um, you know where the, he's sitting down at like the luncheon or whatever with them. We know kind of who they are. The stereotype of you know maybe like upper middle class suburban wives, kind of people who are politically active, probably conservative leaning. So we autom- automatically know who they are, and his disruption into that is awkward and uncomfortable because maybe at that time we hadn't been bombarded like Raymond was kind of suggesting with four straight years of having that 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 worldview that ideology kind of just shown on our face whereas now everyone is quote like everyone is mocking the deplorables mocking the QAnon believers mocking the Trump supporters the rural white vote like it's just been and maybe it's just because I'm too online and maybe it's just because mm-hmm. I'm like too like immersed in this world that like I've had so many years of it and maybe that's also why I'm kind of tired of it and why I get a little bit like okay like do we do we need to continue to just demonize people oh they're dumb they're uneducated like like I thought there was something really sweet about like the kind of like the two bros the Republican bros that are like trying to help him you know like and there's this, yeah. this who let him stay with them in the second yeah one? who let him stay with yeah, them like those, like yeah. there, there there's an empathy there that I had for them it's not but I don't know that when the Michael Moore liberal watches it that they have that same kind. I think for them it's all, oh, look at these stupid people and look how dumb they are because yeah. they don't even understand when they talk about a conspiracy theory. They don't well, even see how dumb their own that's conspiracy theory is. That's also theory, a thing you know? that's like, I, I think that this movie humanizes, it, uh, the second one specifically humanizes its subjects far more than like, I mean, have y'all seen that trailer for that fucking Hillbilly Elegy movie um, with no. Amy Adams uh, and Glenn Close and they just, they're just like weeping and screaming at each other in southern accents and like their their eyes are bugging out of their heads and it's just like it's just so reductive and really like there's so yeah. much there, there's so much dog shit uh culture pop culture that has been churned out by by people who have just utter disdain for folks who live uh anywhere that isn't California or New York and when you watch something like this where it is someone I mean, the fact that those two, like, they may be kooks, they may be these weird conspiracy theorists, they may be Trump voters, they they may be aiding the greater evil, um, but they're still so gracious, and they open their home to this complete and total stranger who is also a fucking lunatic. You know, he's playing <laughs> this this character where he's, like, banging the wall with pots and pans and working out naked in front of them, and they just kind of roll on. with it. Yeah, yeah, like he's he's clearly not making this easy. <laughs> They're very on nice hosts. I agree with you. Yeah, um, and it, it it is one of those things though that where where you realize like, I mean, this is like obviously taking uh, or we're having this conversation uh, a day after this fucking boondoggle of an election, and I, I do think that there's something revealing about uh, the second movie where, and not to say like this is the first time this has occurred to me, like 
I'm, I'm from the Midwest. Uh, you know, I, I grew up across the street from a cornfield and I've seen <laughs> so many goddamn movies where that would make me uh, dumber or less than or less deserving. Um, and it just, it's, it's really, really frustrating. Uh, and, and it, it is kind of like surprising to me how so many liberals wonder like, well, why, why do people resent us or why do people want to own us so badly? It's like, well, maybe because you've uh, fucking looked down your nose at them for, I don't know, like the past 30 years of television and movies. Um, right, right. Ryan, aren't you from the South? Yeah, yeah, I am. And and I was going to add that that people in the South fucking love Borat, dude. That's what like, I was going to ask. Like, That's what I was going to ask. They yeah. absolutely and, and this is a big problem, a greater problem, part of a bigger pro- conversation that that I think people get wrong is just that they don't think that the people on the right or people southerners or whatever uh, can mock themselves or laugh right. at themselves or make jokes about themselves. But no, they fucking love it. Like when they, when Borat is showing, you know, some buddy being <laughs> you know, super racist or something, and then high-fiving about Jews or something like that. There are There's a subset of people that, are, of course, are like idiots that are going to be laughing because, oh, yeah, I agree with that, you know, that moron. They're not getting it. But then there's all the people that are totally getting the joke. Like, like mm-hmm. yeah, that's wrong, and that person is, you know, uh, a, a cliche of of my, the culture that I live in, the, play, the region I live in. Um, and, and, yeah, so... People, that's all I wanted to say. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I was wondering, could someone like, I mean, I don't know if Trump has that kind of uh, reflective uh, capacity to mock. Like, could he watch this film and enjoy it? Right, like, like would he? He or... hates Borat. He's he's expressed su- as such on. Twitter, I mean, he's I think, he's on week. an episode of Ali G too. Is and he, he gets he, he's very adamant about I got up I knew it I sniffed out the yeah. frog I got that one hell up I, I think it's the Ali G segment where he's trying to sell him the the ice cream glove or whatever okay okay well here let's go into real quick an ad from one of our sponsors and then on the other side of this we can get into the Giuliani scene does that sound like a deal perfect okay. all right so we're gonna go ahead and. We'll take a break, and we're going to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Skillshare. If you listen to the podcast, then you know we love to shout-out Skillshare. Skillshare is an online community, a learning community for creatives. Millions of people, they come together to take the next step in their creative journey. It offers thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people on topics including illustration, design, photography, video, freelancing, more and more. It's intended for creative and curious people. Basically, you all, the kind of people that are a wisecrack audience, and us all, people who are the wisecrack employees, um, lifelong learners, real working creatives, beginners, pros, dabblers, etc. Um, if you go to Skillshare.com slash SMTM, that's Skillshare.com slash SMTM, you will be able, uh, and you're among the first thousand people to use the link, you're going to get a free trial of Skillshare premium membership. So you can explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash SMTM, and the first thousand people, and or use the link which is in the show notes below, will get that free trial of Skillshare premium. I do want to just talk about one of the courses that is really interesting for me. I always wanted to go to film school, but I just got sidetracked with other stuff. And I almost, I almost did it after I did a master's degree. I almost was like, you know what, man, screw it. I'm going to go back and I'm going to go to film school, but I never did. So I have basically just learned from being on set. I grew up in front of the camera. 
And then I learned by being with people creatives behind the camera and kind of just doing it and then learned from a bunch of amazing YouTube channels and things like that. But what Skillshare offers is a, a kind of consolidated course with a bunch of video lessons. And it's really, really beneficial for people who are either trying to be aspiring indie filmmakers because they have individual courses on indie filmmaking where you can make your films look like the high budget indie films, but obviously with a, a low budget if that's what you have. Um, there's another course on iPhone filmmaking, which I don't know if any you saw like Tangerine, but Tangerine was an amazing film that was shot exclusively on a phone. I've got friends who have shot uh, other films like avant-garde experimental films on, on iPhones and it's hard as heck. So Skillshare has this cool course where you can do that. They have one on aerial photography. So for all of you drone masters or aspiring drone masters, they've got all kinds of stuff, editing, etc., etc. So if you're interested in all of this, go to Skillshare.com SMTM and you, uh, if you're among the first thousand people to use the link, you'll get a free trial of Skillshare Premium Membership. Also, again, link in the show notes below. So, yeah, Skillshare. All right, back to the show. So, let's talk about the Giuliani scene. So, this was, this was the scene that everyone was freaking out about. I mean, Part of it was because Giuliani came out immediately and defended himself, right? I'm sure they had their lawyers on this for months prior. They knew this was going to come out. I'm sure they saw some sort of preview of it, or maybe they didn't, but I bet you they were prepared at least doubt in some it. way. You doubt it? I mean, so here, here was my thing. I can see it from both sides. In support of Giuliani, I think it's clearly voiceover when she says, let's go into the bedroom. Because uh, it's her back that, shown. That did sound like ADR. Yeah. And it did sound like ADR, right? So I, we, we listened to it a couple of times last night, and I think it's clearly um, ADR. It's done, uh, for people who are, who are listening who don't know what that is, it's basically doing voiceover after the fact, right? Where you're recording audio after the fact. Because you don't see her lips say that, right? So I think clearly that element was meant to make it seem more salacious. They probably, because they're having mic problems, in the room, they probably said something like, hey, why don't we go in here? Because, you know, there's lights and there's crew and stuff. Like, Why don't we go in here and we'll set, we'll fix up your mm -hmm. mic? Now, they have the whiskey, so that makes it look a little funky. But, I mean, I don't think it's uncommon for this these kinds of situations to be loosening up. Is it professional? Probably not. But I don't think it's, like, sleazy necessarily. Then they don't mention that she's 15, Right. So I was kind of like, they don't mention she's 15 until that. the end. So we don't know that. So I thought that like he knew clearly ahead of time that she was 15 and then he was being kind of touchy, in which case then it, it is, it does add that creepy element. But once you take that out of it, then it's not as bad. This is purely playing devil's advocate, right? To sure. I can see this side of it. Then when they're in the room, I can definitely see... You know, you use some clever camera angles to make it look like she's going down on him or like she's like doing something right. And... And then, who and they knows also how add in some 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 uh, music, some score yes, that some, gives it a very creepy yes. vibe, and yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's exactly. a little bit manipulative. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Now, on the other side, who tucks their shirt in by leaving their hand in there for that long <laughs> and raising it up yeah. so high? I think he's a, he's clearly adjusting his dick, like. That's what it looks like to me. You bring, like, a, you bring a good point up, yes. Like, when you tuck in your shirt, it doesn't go all the way down, and then, like, like the way that, like, you see the outline of his hand, I'm like, okay, yeah, I think his hand good. is on his dick. Now, is he just adjusting himself? Maybe he had to do that because, like, the shirt messed up and the wire from, from the, the body mic. I don't know. I don't know. But... It also does look a little sus as well. Oh, it's it, it's not it's not good. But I mean, 
it's nothing that is like uh, like you said. It's not it's not going to be the the smoking gun that is like no. going to to lead him to scuttle off into the shadows in disgrace or whatever. <laughs> and also this, I mean that fucking ghoul like. He he's not he has no shame anyway. So like right. even even if he had you know tried to go for the full Monty in that movie, he'd still have some fucking spin on it. They all do. Um, yeah, um, I, I know. know. Okay, last thing let's say uh, about the film, and then we'll go into the mailbag. Um, we've got a small mailbag section today, so we can kind of elongate this chat a little bit. But what are your favorite bits? What were your favorite parts? Uh, there could be a couple. The fertility like the dance, obviously. The fertility. <laughs> okay, so just for our listeners, describe the fertility dance a little bit. Well, what, he's at like a they're at like a debutante ball in Alabama yeah. or something. Yeah, in the south, uh, which you know is a high society uh, kind of coming of age ball kind of thing for people in the south. Did you ever go to one? Did, is this a thing Hell for you? No. No, no, no. <laughs> no. But is this a I mean I've heard of this stuff uh, yeah. uh but uh no, uh not really. It's for uh, like it's for like like not not aristocrats because we don't really have an aristocracy, but it's definitely for like kind of well-to-do southerners, right? Like Oh yeah, I, this is like all the all the plantations around your area getting together and <laughs> right. and you guys are going to throw the big debutante ball and there's going to yeah. be a queen of it or what something like that. I think yeah. you, anyway. you'd look wonderful uh, dressed for cotillion, Ryan. Oh, thank you. I would hate I hate I hate dressing up. <laughs> And so yeah, I also so love they, that Borat and that or Sasha Baron Cohen, whatever, <laughs> is in that scene. He's wearing like a fucking weird. He's got like the badges or the decor military decorations on his <laughs> on his yeah. um, uh, breast. It's a, it's such a weird piece of wardrobe. But it's like so <laughs> no one bats an eye at it. It's so great. Like, okay, so remember how I said I was watching the film with uh, a Frenchman and a Belgian? Both of them just felt kind of sad that the people who were watching... So this fertility dance happens. You know, it's supposed to be like a father-daughter dance. And then um, uh, uh, Borat and um, Tutar, they do like this traditional fertility dance, but she's on her blood moon. She's it's she's on her period, right? Yeah. So, um, so she's worried about it. And so you're clearly already primed, like, oh, fuck, like, what's going to happen? Well, basically, she like completely lifts up her dress and just reveals, you know, that it, a mess has just been made down her leg, panties, whatever. And so you have this audience of these you know, debutantes and parents and stuff like that. But yet they're still clapping along. Now, again, this could be editing, but you can see that likely that some of them are like, I am so uncomfortable, but I'm still fucking sure. clapping. I'll, and I'll the people that I was watching it with, they actually felt really bad. Like the dude from France, he was kind of like, see, that just seems really mean to me because these people just don't know, you know? And it's like, and what do you do when you're sure. caught in that situation? I'll have to research a little bit um, because I kind of took it on faith as I was watching it. But someone just said in the uh, in the chat, shout out to John Bain, Bridge a second ago uh, just wrote that Cohen admitted the ball was staged with local extras. Um, oh. So I, oh, see, I, that was really my question to y'all at some point. How much of this is truly yeah. staged, and who is an actor, really? You know. But uh, uh, thank you to uh, to that user John Bainbridge for uh, pointing us in the uh, in in the right direction there. So all is of that it is fucking bad true. I, I don't know. Oh, well, that's what I'm saying. I don't know if let's like I'll have to look it up after we. Record, I believe it. I mean, well, so. I mean, we've we've all worked in film and around film, and we know that you know there have to be contracts that are signed, and there are blurred faces. Now, here's a way, another layer to this. Maybe some of those faces are blurred to give the illusion that sure. they are didn't of, of give their consent, right? So that could John, also be. 
John Bainbridge, who is now, we're just, he's the fourth host of the show. Thank you, John. Point. He just <laughs> said they weren't, he said they weren't in on the joke, though, I assume referring to the extras, that they probably just signed off on, okay, we're going to go in and do this scene with this wardrobe, and then okay. um, just just got their actual reactions. Yeah. Yeah, which does change it, though, from being an actual debutante ball, you know, yeah. um, which... One of my favorite moments from the whole movie, uh, which I thought was real, was was when the girl is listening to her dad bid with or t- uh, like have a little bro moment with Borat, oh, yeah. being like, "Oh <laughs> yeah, I, I bet you could sell it for five hundred bucks." Five hundred. You know? yeah. he, he's just like, "That's fucking gross, Dad." Like <laughs> yeah. that was such a classic, like genuine moment <laughs> between them. What do you think but about the the, the babysitter woman who takes Tutar under her wing She's great. and? Yeah, and oh, she, she kind of became a little. Of the, she's probably the she best had her character. moment. Yeah, John she, Bainbridge. She do said, you know anything about the uh, babysitter yeah. that we should be aware <laughs> yeah. of? <laughs> yeah, yeah, knows everything. Because she's she's had her little moment um, on uh, on the interwebs too ever since. Because I think everyone just kind of fell in love with her, right? Yeah, she's great. She, I, I read some article where it said that she was pissed about the whole thing. Am I right? Oh, really? Oh, did you? Or at, I, at first, what, 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 you know, she felt misled. Obviously, like right. Like, Clearly. Yeah, I mean, she's still kind Living of being taken way. for a ride, but it, you know, she's she's one of the few people in in these movies, especially the first one where he's met with so much hostility, but also he's I think he's being a lot more aggressive in the first one. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, she she really just like goes out on a limb for this kid she barely knows. She's she's really good on it. Um, I, I really mm-hmm. enjoyed their scenes together. Okay, Raymond, did you have a favorite part? Um, yeah, I mean the. The stuff with uh, trying to explain to the, the the Christian woman's health center guy that there was a yeah. baby in her and he was the one that put <laughs> it in there was pretty good. But I also want to shout out um, my favorite scene from the first one. It still gets me every time is when he goes into that antique shop and just fucking wrecks house. And oh my God, it, yeah. it, it's it's one of those one of those things like before where we talked a little bit about how sometimes he's a little mean spirited with stuff. But they sort of prime the pump with that scene that they show all the Confederate merch that they're selling. And and the guy goes, well, we're celebrating our heritage and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, all right, well, fuck you and all your antiques. And he just breaks like $400 worth of shit. And I just, I still, I die every time during that scene. It's probably my favorite scene out of either movie. Yeah, I mean, the, the last thing I'll say is I know it might seem like I was being a little bit critical of this film, but it's only because I'm trying to kind of like unpack some things and really work through. Like, I, I really don't know how I come down on this film because part of me does feel like it's mean-spirited. That said, I did laugh my fucking ass off. I cringed. I laughed. I got all of the responses that he probably would have wanted out of me. And it sparked yeah. like critical thought. You know, um, as I said at the outset, he's a sharp dude. He's got like a master's from what is it, LSE or Oxford or one of the one of the Russell Group schools, you know? In, in the UK, Cambridge, something. And um, so he's trying to do this and it worked. It's successful for me. Um, I, uh, I really liked the, um, the, the moment when Tutar realizes that her vagina isn't going to eat her and that there aren't teeth in there. And then she goes and she tries yes. to like, she tries to like share the joy of the orgasm about the explosion uh, to this, the, these women. And then of course these women are talking also about how men are liars. I thought, I, I liked that. 
at that little moment, that whole kind of section there. She's like, wait, women can drive? Wait, men are liars? And then it's like, oh my God, wait a second. Have you ever had an orgasm? She's like, come on, let us all touch our vaginas together, you know? Like, the, like The moment before that where she's about to go into the uh, the, the plastic surgery clinic uh, and she sees she, she sees another woman getting out of a car and that's where it clicks her. Like, okay, <laughs> yeah. something's going on here. I really got to <laughs> right. investigate this whole women drivers thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um, okay, well, let's go ahead and wrap up the chat about uh, Borat and Borat 2 there, and we'll jump into the mailbag portion. Uh, we'll start off with a voicemail. We only have one voicemail this week, so I do want to encourage anyone that's out there listening, if you want to kind of call us in, you can talk about Borat, you can talk about anything in our back catalog, please do so at one. 1- That's 1-213-534-8807. But for this week, we're going to kick it over to Jarrell from Virginia, who's going to talk about about the Babadook. Hey, Watchcrack. This is Jarrell from Virginia, a long-time viewer. I just finished watching your uh, podcast on uh, Babadook. I, like you guys, first time I watched it, wasn't paying too much attention to it, and I kind of missed what the big deal was, but uh, after watching your podcast, I'm I'm definitely going to watch it again. Uh, I generally agree with uh, what you were saying about uh, the repression she kind of forced in the basement, you know, her subconscious, and she placates it with the worms that the uh, sun picks up, which is could be kind of seen as, as part of his weird quirk, that his weird quirk, picking the worms, she takes that and, you know, instead of letting that fuel her repression and the weirdness and him not being normal, she takes it to the Baba Duke, which placates him, which keeps things normal. And uh I do agree with Ryan in a greater sense. I think he had a great take on the whole Dove magic thing. May not be true, but uh, it's believable. So, uh, again, I love the work you do. Uh, uh, Jared leaving is a big thing. I'm definitely going to miss him, but you guys definitely are capable of keeping the ship steered right, and I love all you guys' takes on things. Uh, sorry for the long voicemail, but I appreciate everything you guys do and look forward to uh, seeing you guys every week, hopefully. Awesome. Thank Dude, you, Jarrell. Thank you for that voicemail. That was really nice. That was a great Appreciate voicemail. it. Yeah, Ryan, since you got the special shout-out, what do you think? Besides just feeling the love, what do you have to say? I'm glad he agrees with my magic take um, <laughs> and stuff. That's awesome. I mean, I, 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 I couldn't uh, ask for more from a um, fan of the show. <laughs> I, uh, uh, and then, yeah, you, I think you were the big one about talking about the glowing worms. Or, or not the glowing worms, but just the worms. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, I kind the, of well, forget how that whole thing came up about the worms kind of being a metaphor for her oppression or not oppression or the trauma she'd gone yeah. through. Yeah, 
I really like what Jarrell said about um, about the worms being like his quirk that like someone could look at as being weird or right. annoying, but that she kind of takes it and spins it positively. I thought that was kind of that was kind of nice. Yeah, maybe there's something to that, you know, because the film really is about like some kind of reconciliation to the trauma, you know, not reconciliation of the trauma because the trauma is still there, but you know, kind of working with that that beast that it that lives in the basement. So that was kind of nice because it kind of like brings the mother and the daughter together. So yeah, that was cool. What about you, Raymond? Any thoughts? Um, yeah, I thought it was uh, an, an interesting uh, voicemail. Uh, hit on some of the ideas that we discussed last week or uh, two weeks ago. Um, yeah, and I, I also like the... Now that he's making me think about the worms a little bit mm. more, I don't know if we touched on this, but it uh, there is something you know, uh, something insidious about the Babadook kind of getting in her head. And I, I wonder if, uh, if Jennifer Kent was conscious of sort of playing with the idea of worms sort of burrowing and, and, oh, and like brain worms digging around something. and yeah, just kind of like they're mm. not necessarily parasitic, um, but just something that is like, it, you can always rely on being in the, in the firmament in the, uh, you know, in the earth and stuff. So, uh, I, I don't know. Um, I, I am curious because in I think I mentioned on the the last episode in the in the short film that Babadook is kind of based on, they they just leave it a glass of milk, which has you know its yeah. own implications. But I'm curious why uh, they they switched to worms for this one. I'm, I'm sure they they had some some greater idea behind it. John in the chats, can you help us out, please? Let us let us. Know. John John Bainbridge <laughs> literally just he did just jump in. He goes mm, brain worms. <laughs> Uh, right. Thank you, John. Thank, thank you, John. You. And he also says he doesn't he doesn't know anything about the babysitter from Borat. So okay, uh, John, send your send your invoice to uh, Omnia. Yeah, Mission. that's right. <laughs> send it send it to Ryan, Red State Ryan, as everybody refers to him <laughs> in the chats. <laughs> um, that's okay. me. It is me. Okay, so then the last thing is we have uh, an email. So if you don't want to call and you want to email us, email us instead, you can at movies at wisecrack.co, not com, but co. So that's movies at wisecrack.co. And this is just uh, a nice little anecdote. So I'll just read this and then we'll go ahead and get out of here. He says, please don't use my real name. Call me Captain Fat Strong if you don't mind. So, okay, Captain Fat Strong. I watched this with the missus and our, at the time, youngest daughter woke up and heard the movie and came in towards the end and was terrified by it. So, of course, I started to set the stage of how I would summon it and then kill it for her. I made a sheet with a magic-looking seal that was kind of burned, uh, that was kind of burned, bought a basketball, and talked to a friend who worked at a party store to get a mask to stretch over it. I wanted to show her, uh, and I killed it, and I have its head to prove it. So, oh, okay, put a basketball under the sheet, cut it off, yeah, yeah. Good, good dad, good dad move. So we found the Baba Shook drag race videos, and then that made her not afraid anymore. Go figure. Sorry for the anecdote. Love this movie and love the podcast. So, I mean, that's Dude, fun Captain, parenting. Captain Fat Strong. Yeah, that's his name, right? Captain Fat Strong. Yeah, you did great. Th- uh, thank you. Yeah, wonderful parenting. I, I haven't seen the uh, the Baba Shook videos. That sounds like fun. Yeah, it does, right? Yeah, I haven't seen them too. So she's not afraid anymore, and he knows how to summon the monster and kill it. And for young mm-hmm. parents out there that have children that are scared, that's how you make your children not afraid of the Babadook. Uh, so thank you, <laughs> Captain Fatstrong. Okay, make it and kill it. That's right. Let's get out of here. Yeah, where can we find you guys on the internet, Raymond? Uh, you can find me on uh, Letterboxd and Twitter. I'm at Crematoria. Um, yeah, check me out there. 
Come say hi. Sweet. And Ryan, what about you? Ryan Shorts on YouTube and Twitter and Facebook and Ryan's Game Show. New shorts all the, every week. I got a bunch of Halloween stuff I came out with last week. And uh, other than that, go check you seem, out. You seem very satisfied. I know <laughs> he like, does. Oh, so. Leaning back, leaning back in your chair, and you're like kind of shaking your shoulders. You're very, you're very. I got content. Right? I got yes. videos. And, I'll be uh, honest. Yeah. Are you wearing a hoodie, or is that some sort of pajama jumper thing? I'm wearing a hoodie with uh, oh. headphones over it. You know. It looks and, like uh, it's um. What's that really soft? Like cashmere, not cashmere. That's too fancy. The soft, kind of fluffy material. No. Seersucker. Cotton. Cotton. Uh, no, I thought. <laughs> I, I thought. I thought you were wearing like some sort of like He's like a mousy kind of Halloween costume that had like a hoodie thing. You know, like those big like pajama. Oh. Like, like I basically I thought you were dressed like a I thought you were dressed like a furry is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, since, okay. since you bring that up, did you before we close out? Did you gentlemen do anything fun for Halloween, or did you dress up? I just hung out with my wife. Okay. <laughs> just kidding I'm not married <laughs> <laughs> that is right Red State Ryan is single everybody um, so <laughs> uh, yeah I did I went to a little I had a um, I had a, uh, a surprise Halloween party for uh, a friend of mine so um, that was kind of fun it was a birthday party slash Halloween party and it turned into two days of drinking and being dressed up and having fake blood on my face because that stuff does not come off what about you? oh that's awesome Oh, yeah. I was I, I was actually uh, I was driving cross country. I was in Michigan a few days ago and uh, had to drive like twelve hours a day to get back here before the election. Um, but well, that's, uh, not a, nope. that's not a fun Halloween. It was. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't. It, it wasn't a, a very Halloweenish thing to do, but it was a fun time. You know, we had a we had a great time. Uh, my wife and I just doing the fucking. <laughs> <just completely. laughs> bailing on that That's immediately it. Let, let's end it we're done we're done I, I, well, I, 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 yeah well we could end oh, no, it go, go ahead, go ahead I was, Ryan. I was, all I was gonna say was that I was like oh man I, uh, I'm i never home on Halloween I'm gonna go get a shit ton of candy cause I'll be able to hand out candy to all the people and then I bought all this candy like 20 bucks of candy and then I'm like like right after I did that I go oh shit like yeah, Halloween like is illegal trick or yeah, treating yeah. is illegal right now yeah. What am I doing? And so I just yeah. ate twenty dollars worth of candy that night, and I don't feel good. That sounds like a victory. <laughs> My wife doesn't feel good either. <laughs> All right. So All right, uh, if people want to check me out, they can find me on Twitter, Austin underscore Hayden. That's the last thing I'll say. Ryan, take us out, brother. Goodbye from Hollywood, California. Wow, wow, wee wah. Peace. <laughs>